Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Read Option Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jordan Reed. And like always, on every Friday episode, I am joined by my good friend and colleague, Brentley Wiseman. Brentley, how's everything going, man? Everything's good, man. Just another another Thursday night football game in the books. A little bit of a lackluster game, which we think we all kind of expected. Um, but I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit. But I'll tell you what, Sam Darnold... You know, is it the Adam Gase effect? Is any, anybody who leaves Adam Gase all of a sudden looks like a competent quarterback? Because to me, he looks pretty damn good. So uh, excited to talk to you about that a little bit. Yeah, coaching matters, man. And, you know, we ran out of magic a little bit with our Thursday games. We got a really good one last week between the Washington football team and the Giants. So we've really been spoiled over the past few weeks with those Thursday games so far this year. But this game was kind of a snooze fest to me, man. Like, I mean, it, it was good to see Davis Mills out there. I think he played as best as he could with what he would, with what he had to battle with out there. It's just the Texans don't have any talent outside of Brandon Cooks. That's really the only guy he was able to find consistently. And then Sam Darnold, we see what Joe Brady has been able to do with him so far. And I'm really impressed with Sam and what he's been able to do so far. He looks much more confident. And then, of course, he's surrounded by much better weapons. I don't think Carolina's offensive line is very impressive up front in my opinion, but I think Sam is standing in there. He's making some really tough throws and getting the ball to DJ Moore. But I think the most important thing or the most impressive thing is that he really hasn't had Christian McCaffrey a whole bunch this year. And, you know, that's another topic that we could talk about for a while too, just the value of running backs. And, you know, the last few running backs to sign big deals, it hasn't been well for team building. And then they haven't really produced as much as they have been accustomed to prior to that deal. So, but the first thing that I want to start with today's show is that, well, let me back up. I'll give you guys a quick rundown of what we're going to discuss. Of course, Houston, Carolina, which we dove into a little bit. We'll go over our red dot prospects as always, the prospects that we'll be listening or that we'll be looking for or paying close attention to this weekend. And then we'll do some game previews, just the three games that we'll do. Texas A&M, Arkansas, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and then also LSU and Mississippi State. But the thing I wanted to open up with is that Derek Stingley, he's a player that we've seen at the top of mock drafts. It seems like we've been talking about forever. And it was an injury that popped up with him in practice. This was Wednesday's practice when Ed Orgeron said that he's going to be very questionable for the game against Mississippi State. And I don't want to go too deep into the game just because we're going to do that in our game preview. But I don't want to say that obviously he's not faking the injury, but he's going to be very cautious with his body. I'll say that. And, you know, I think it is a foot injury that he's dealing with. I think that's what I read anyway, which was something that was hampering him over the summer. And then he said that was hurting him a little bit last year as well. That's the injury that he was dealing with. But with Stingley, it kind of feels like it may have been a curtain call, man. Like we may not see him no more this year, especially if that foot injury continues to linger. And it's like, why should he come back if he's not healthy? And this was something that I talked about in our scouting meetings a couple of weeks ago when Kayvon Thibodeau, got hurt and he suffered the injury that he did. I think it was an ankle or a foot that he was dealing with as well, but it seems like he's going to be coming back very soon. I think he possibly could get some reps this weekend. So obviously he's going to come back. That's just the competitor that he is. But I brought up the question in, what is the reason for you to come back, especially with how well he played going out with the injury, even though we didn't get to see him against Ohio state. I thought he played pretty well for the most part when he saw him against uh, Fresno, I believe it was. So, 
uh, Stingley, does it feel like to you that it kind of could be the last time that we see him? Yeah, it, it really does. And this is something we talked about um, over summer, I want to say, where it's like, you know, is Derek Stingley going to do the um, – who who was it last year uh, in the middle of the season? Was it J.C. Horn? Yeah. Is he going to do the J.C. Horn uh, where once he realizes LSU isn't really going to be competing for much, is he out midseason? And uh, me, me, neither you, me or you is going to question if Derek Stingley is really hurt or not. You know, that's, that's not our place. But – I think it's a really viable question. I think it's a very fair one is, is he going to try his best to get back from an injury, right? Because, I mean, if I'm remotely, if I'm Derek Stingley, if I'm 80% healthy, no way in hell am I coming back to play for LSU. Like, I'm not risking my future because I could could say that right now. I I could be done right now, hang, hang my cleats up, hang my LSU jersey up, and still be a surefire top five pick. And for, for me, if I'm Stingley, I'm watching Panay Sewell. I'm watching Jamar Chase. I'm watching Javon Holland. Michael Parsons. All, Michael Parsons. Yeah. All these dudes who opted out of the season last year, all making a huge impact right away. So he already knows opting out isn't going to hurt my draft stock. LSU clearly isn't, gonna, isn't good enough to compete with the likes of Alabama and Georgia. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say it, but if I'm Derek Stingley, no way in heck am I playing again for the LSU Tigers. Yeah, and you, I mean, you make a great point about J.C. Horn, and we saw Horn still be the first cornerback selected off of the board, and he unfortunately got hurt last night against against the Texans. But I think with Stingley, he could go even higher than what Horn and Sertain did, especially when we're talking about how competitive this cornerback class is, and then there's some defensive players at the top that we think are probably going to end up being top five selections as well. Then you have Derek Stingley that's still kind of hanging on the glory of that 2019 season where he had six interceptions and he looked like that five-star prospect that everybody was building him out to be, that once-in-a-generation type of cornerback. And he's still kind of living with that aura a little bit. I don't know if he's necessarily returned to that form, but we have seen flashes of it as far as what he can be and what he's capable of on the next level. But to me, it just kind of feels like he's gotten tired of college and there's just some times of where he plays like that as well you saw it against ucla at the final stages of the game and i'm not saying that he was bad against ucla i just got some some feelings from him of where he was just like tired and exhausted from the college game and it's hard especially when you're a first round selection somebody's projected to be a top 10 pick to constantly go hard all the time like you're expected to do and we're human let's just be honest he's thinking about the nfl in the back of his mind I mean, let's just be honest about that. So I just kind of get that vibe from him. And that's why I feel like I think it's just the last we've seen of him. I think he's going to pull a J.C. Horn. Dude, you just got to think, put yourself in his shoes. You're a true freshman in 2019. You're surrounded by dudes all over the damn field. Patrick Queen, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, um, the list, Caleb on chase on the list literally goes on and on and on. And then you're one of the best dudes on that team as a true freshman. They, all those guys leave. You're still stuck there. You're like, damn, like these are all my big dogs who I'm just as good at. I'm just as good as they're all making millions in the pros, you know, making a name for themselves. I'm stuck here in Baton Rouge having to listen to Ed Orgeron, who he might think 
doesn't know a damn thing about football, <laughs> and then he has to watch Mac 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 Johnson or whatever, or Max Johnson or whatever throw the football around. Like, I'd want to get the hell out of, out of there too. Like, if, I, if I'm if I'm Derek Stingley, like I went from Joe Burrow to Max Johnson. That's what that's really what you're doing to me right now. Um, it, it'd be it'd be really hard for me to give it my all if I'm Stingley, and I was given those circumstances that he's been really dealing with ever since 2019 season. It kind of feels like he lived his college experience all yep. as a freshman. That's 100%. the vibe I get, and that's the best way that I can sum it up. You go undefeated with 15-0. and 0, You have all these big-time prospects around you. You're seeing them, like you mentioned, all make plays on the next level. And then you've pretty much experienced a 360 or a 180 of that with how bad LSU was a year ago. And then I still think they're not a very good football team this year either. So it's like, what is my motivation to constantly give my all every single day? And I'm not saying he's not doing that, but psychologically, I just think he's been at the top of the mountain and he got exposure to that very early on. But now having to try to climb back up that mountain, I just don't see the motivation from him to do that, especially when he's already considered to be a top 10 selection. So that's my quick spiel on Derek, Spinks, Derek Stingley. Excuse me. That's why I wanted to start it with that. But before we move on to our red dot prospects, I want to remind everybody about Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. That's NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So I want to move on to our red dot prospects this week and we jump right into it this week we have a big time quarterback playing tonight and that is Malik Willis I am so excited to watch this dude play tonight against Syracuse and yes I know I understand it is Syracuse but we have not seen Malik really play a quality opponent this year he's beating up on Old Dominion and Troy and Campbell and schools like that but just being that that Syracuse is in the ACC I think this is one of the more quality opponents that we will see him play up until the November 6th showdown against Matt Corral and Ole Miss. That's, this is really the only big-time game that or big-time opponent, I should say, or Power 5 opponent that we're going to see him play up until that point. So it's a primetime game, Friday night, 8 o'clock on ACC Network. This is his opportunity in a quote-unquote showcase game to really show off what I think has kind of been an underwhelming quarterback class so far. I think this is his chance to really springboard himself up and prove that he's a true contender to be QB1. And I watched him this morning against ODU and then also Troy. Hey, man, Malik looks good. I don't know if you watched him, but he he's he's really, really good, man. I'm intrigued by him for sure. And, you know, I wrote it down in my notepad, like if the draft were next week, he probably would be my top quarterback right now. And I know that's premature, but – just throwing it out there based on what I've seen from the quarterback so far and just the skill set and the tools that he has. I'm intrigued, man. I'm a big fan of Malik. I like him a lot. I just want to see him be more consistent 
uh, as far as, you know, being a passer. His deep accuracy is still something that he struggles with as far as touchdown the field. And then just playing a little bit too much hero ball. He, he holds on to the ball, trying to be a runner a little bit too much, especially when they try to change the launch point and move the pocket. And I got an article that's coming out Friday morning just talking about some things that he struggled with and then some positives that we saw in the ODU game. So Malik Willis against Syracuse, I'm excited to watch him. Yeah, I have a bold take for you, I think. And it's not really that bold considering what we've seen from other quarterbacks. But I have a feeling come midnight Eastern time tomorrow or tonight, excuse me, we're going to be seeing a hell of a lot of tweets that Malik Willis is quarterback one for the 2022 NFL draft. I And it, it's, it's for multiple reasons. One, because he is extremely talented. I mean, huge arm, outstanding athlete, a playmaker. Um, who can really get it done in all phases of the game, whether it's with his arm or with his legs. The kid is a weapon. Um, but really, as you mentioned, it's just this overall class, and I feel like we've been saying it time and time again, but I am so underwhelmed with all the top quarterbacks in this class. And I mean, to be very honest with you, Jordan, the two quarterbacks I had as my two top guys entering the year was Spencer Rattler pretty high, were pretty uh, solidly, yeah. And then Sam Howell is a, a tier below Rattler, and, and Howell to me was closer to Corral, Strong, and Willis than I think other people had initially thought. As I see here today, I think what's three weeks, almost four weeks into the season, I can't have Rattler as my number one quarterback. Like I, I, I legitly cannot. Like I really, really cannot. Very disappointing. And same with Howell. And Howell for me, it's it's my same concerns that I had with him with the lack of arm strength, lack of elite physical traits, and and was he more of a product of the offense and the talent around him? I think he might have been. And I'm just not seeing a guy who can really uplift a franchise and uplift the talent around him. Around him. I put it down to my head. I'm taking both Willis, Corral, and even Carson Strong over both those guys. Now, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but I'm just, I'm just telling you what my eyes have been seeing. It's like, I'm willing to take the risk on a Carson Strong or a Malik Willis or Matt Corral than I am on a Rattler who, in my opinion, is consistently getting worse. Yeah. And Sam Howell, who I just frankly don't think it has enough high-end NFL traits to succeed at the next level. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, this is Malik Willis's really only FBS test until the November 6th showdown with Matt Corral and Ole Miss. And I think right now I have it in front of me. Willis is completing over 71% of his passes. He has over 600 uh, passing yards, seven touchdowns, no picks, and then over um, close 250 yards rushing on the ground. Like he's absolutely killing it. And I know, like you said, he's playing, you know, some, some, some slappy opponents, but at the end of the day, he is showing improved touch in terms of, not everything's a bullet, you know, in the shallow intermediate of the field. I, I do think he's improved there. His decision make has improved. His poison in the pocket's improved. He's doing everything to show that, hey, like, I, I recognize my flaws, but I'm taking the necessary steps to improve. Rattler's doing the freaking opposite. So it's like, to me, I'd much rather go with the guy who's clearly ascending yeah. than the guy, to me, who's, in my opinion, very clearly descending. Now – 
Sam Howell was better last week. I didn't watch him against Virginia, but just based on the numbers and what everybody was saying, he was better last week. And I still need to go back and watch him to see how he played. But the numbers were definitely better. But Rattler's been inconsistent since game one against Tulane. And it's just the decision-making with him. That's always been the big question mark with him. And it just looks like the game is moving too fast for him, which is crazy to say, especially with the Lincoln Riley type of quarterback. But he's just trying to do too much, and he's forcing things that just isn't there. And that's something that we saw a lot last year. But with Malik, the game just looks so easy for him. And I say this. We saw Trey Lance go number three overall last year. He didn't have any quality opponents. He only played one game. And then he was an FCS quarterback as well. So why can't Malik Willis go top five either? So whenever somebody brings up the competition factor, we just saw Trey Lance go in the top three. So I don't know, man. Malik, I like him a lot. I like what I've seen this year. But, you know, I'll have my eyes very closely on that game against Syracuse. Yep. I think this is a big opportunity for him. And Mel Kuyper already came out and said he has an opportunity to be the number one overall pick or QB1. He so. does, man. It, it, it is wide <laughs> open. It is absolutely wide open. Like, this is incredible. Yeah, it is. I haven't seen anything like this in a very, very long time. But did you have anybody that you wanted to go over as a red dot prospect that you have an eye on this week? Yeah, you know, I'll have my eyes on um, – Traylon Burks, receiver from Arkansas. Yeah. Um, you know, he finally kind of blew up last week. He had a 91-yard touchdown, which I think to me was much needed because he's a guy I know you were especially high on. I was high on him. I think I gave him a round one grade just because I see I see like a bigger Debo Samuel. Uh, to me, I, I think that's kind of his role where he's used all over the field. You have him outside. You have him in the slot. You have him even in the backfield. He can do it all. But he hasn't been ultra productive this season. And we've seen – some of the other receivers that we had highly touted entering the year, whether it's Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dodson from Penn State, or even Drake London from USC, they're all killing it this year. And I, and I, I kind of just feel like Traylon Burks is getting a little bit left out of the party, and he's not just taking the opportunity that he has in front of him. And I, I, I have my eyes on him this week. I think in a huge SEC battle against AM, they're going to need – if they're going to – and we'll talk about this game a little bit – but if they have, if they're gonna have any sort of chance, they're gonna need their playmakers to step up. So I'm really curious to see Traylon Burks in a big stage. Is he gonna show out, or is he just gonna continue with the season that's really been underwhelming in my eyes? And you bring up a good point. And if you remember when I introduced Burks this summer in our summer scouting, I said we're not gonna find out what he is until he gets to the next level, just because of how they use him. They use him as a running back. They use him as a slot wide receiver. They put him on the outside sometimes, but for the most part, he's stuck in the slot and he's running short routes unless they let mm-hmm. him run down the field. But every time he's run down the field, he's had an explosive play. Arkansas is running the football really well this year, so they haven't necessarily had to use him, which is crazy to say. But we're not really going to get a true assessment of him until the next level, which is going to be risky for any team that takes him. But I like him a lot, but there's just going to be some risk factor associated with him. But it's very similar to what we saw with Debo Samuel. And Debo was much more productive than what Burks has been. But if you remember, Debo's stock took off at the Senior Bowl just because we were able to see him constantly playing wide receiver. And we found out some things that we didn't really know that he had in his skill set just because he was able to show it off at the Senior Bowl. Now, Burks isn't a senior, so we're not going to be able to see that type of opportunity for him. So, we're not going to figure out what he is 
at the next level, uh, or should say until the, he gets to the next level. So that's the tricky part about his assessment. No doubt, no doubt. And I, I do think, you know, like as you mentioned, the Arkansas offense is doing him no favors, but um, you, 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 you can see his skill set, you can see his movement skills. You, you love the size, you love the after the catchability. But as you mentioned, whoever, whatever team drafts him, it, it is a gamble because you don't know how he's going to look running a NFL route tree. And that's something you're not going to know until you, get, you put the pads on in training camp, unfortunately. We'll see. But, I mean, this game has a lot of intriguing one-on-one matchups. The Marvin Leal versus Myron Cunningham is one that I wrote down. I mean, Leal, we're all very high on him. Cunningham is somebody I gave a late-round grade to. We'll see him probably at some of these postseason all-star games. Maybe he can crack, you know, fifth, sixth round. I think that's probably where he's going to end up going. Jalen Catalan versus Jalen Watermeyer. I think that's another interesting and intriguing matchup as well. And they don't put Catalan in a whole bunch of man coverage situations, but I think we may see a little bit of it in this game. And I think Watermeyer is going to be able to win some situations against him just because of the size factor. But I want to see how Catalan competes. The big question mark out there about him right now is just how well he's able to hold up in man coverage. But He's playing really well this year. And, I mean, you're starting to see him creep up in some first-round mock drafts. And second round is probably where I feel comfortable taking him. Uh, but I like Catalan a lot. Reminds me of that kind of Quandre Diggs, LaMarcus Joyner type of player. He's very similar to both of those guys. So that individual matchup, DeMarvin Leal, Myron Cunningham, Jalen Catalan, Jalen Watermeyer, all players I really like a lot coming into the pre-draft process. But let's go ahead and move on to this next matchup so we can stay on schedule. Notre Dame, Wisconsin, another one that doesn't really have a whole bunch of intriguing as far as one-on-one battles, but if you like a smash-mouth football game, that's probably going to go by and last about maybe two, two and a half hours. <laughs> it's going to seem like it's got a running clock just because two teams that are really going to run the ball, this is the type of game for you. Notre Dame coming off of the win against Purdue last week, a really intriguing game for sure, just watching George Karloftis, and then Notre Dame's battling some some offensive line Issues as well. I think they were on like their third tackle, if I'm not mistaken, last week. So they're battling some issues up front. But this is a really interesting game. I'm not sure what the line is. I'll leave that up to you. And we didn't even pick the last game. We'll circle back to that. My bad. So we'll come back to that. But Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, a one and one record. Uh, this game is actually at Soldier Field. So it is a neutral site in Chicago. Do you have the line pulled up for this game? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm I do. So, for from my book, and uh, it, it's very I've I've seen it at five and a half uh, for for Notre Dame getting those points, but I, I have the line here at six and a half Notre Dame getting those points. So, uh, Notre Dame is somewhat big underdog to me, which I, I'm kind of floored by that. Um, you know, for me, Jordan, I think both of these teams are extremely overrated. They should not be anywhere near the top. 20 in my opinion i think both these teams have really looked like bad football teams and like just they haven't looked good to me i, I, I know notre, i know notre dame had an impressive win or what, what what we thought was an impressive win against florida state but then we find then we then we see florida state drop a <laughs> drop a game uh right. to an fcs school right so it's so it's perhaps notre dame isn't as good as we thought we see him struggle against purdue last week barely pulled that one out uh, Wisconsin barely covered against uh, Eastern Michigan uh, before the week before their bye. I think both of these teams are really just struggling for an identity, and that's really surprising to see because we both normally the both these teams 
what are they like to do? Play defense and run the football, but I don't think either of them are playing any good defense this season. Um, obviously, the storyline here is Jack, Jake Cohn, um, you know, the revenge game, the former Wisconsin quarterback, led him to the yeah. Rose Bowl, then, then it's promptly replaced the next year. Um, he's obviously clearly at Notre Dame. Had a good game against Florida State, but has really struggled the past two weeks. Um, but that being said, I just think Notre Dame has the more talent at the more key positions, mm-hmm. and they're getting points. They're getting plus six and a half. So I, I would personally take Notre Dame in the points plus six and a half. Cause what, even though, even if Wisconsin wins, I think this game is going to be a low scoring four point game. Like that's kind of the, the vibe I, I'm getting yeah. here. Um, but again, I think like both these teams have been, exactly like right. <laughs> I think both these teams have been severely underwhelming um, for me. And um I, I think both these teams do not deserve to be ranked, ranked as high as they, as they are. Yeah, Notre Dame coming in as the 12th-ranked team in the country and then Wisconsin as the 18th-ranked team yeah. in the country. I'm right there with you. I think Notre Dame is probably barely going to squeak out the victory. So uh, I'm going to stay with that score. I'm going to go Notre Dame yep. 17, Wisconsin 13. Yep. And then I, got, I, I do have the line right here for, um, for Arkansas uh, A&M. Okay. I want to say uh, Arkansas is plus five at home, so um, so they're 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 a home they're a home underdog, and you know when I was looking at this game, you know Arkansas is playing some really good defense. I have here they're actually they're allowing um, only sixteen points per game, and three point two uh, three yards per carry, and I think that's the stat, Jordan, because. Uh, A&M is going to have a new quarterback, uh, Haynes yeah. Kings, that been out. And this new kid, this freshman, he he played well last week, obviously, but there he was going against New Mexico. And so I think the key here for A&M is they're going to want to run the ball with Isaiah Spiller. That's the one thing Arkansas's defense has shown to do, stop the run. So I actually like Arkansas on the points here at home, getting getting five points. Um, you know, even if – Again, even if AM wins, I don't think they're gonna blow Arkansas out. I don't think these talent-wise, offensively, I don't think AM is gonna be able to do that that much with this young quarterback. And especially if they can't run the football, I think it's gonna be a close game. So I actually like Arkansas plus five getting the getting the points here. Yeah, I'm with you. I like what Sam Pittman's doing at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I think they're playing some really good ball. They seem to have found their identity, which is playing tough defense and running the ball, which is exactly it, it's exactly what you expect from an offensive line coach. We know they're going to run. The, we know they're going to run the ball. That's what Arkansas wants to do. I think they had like over 300 rushing yards against Texas. So that's exactly what they want to do. They want to play tough defense. Catalan. They had some linebackers step up, and they had some some starters down. I think a week ago, and then some some replacements stepped up and played really well. And we know they have talent on defense all over the place too. So yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Arkansas. I like them. And then especially with them somehow, some way getting points. I'm really surprised by that, but I'm going to go with them. But let's go ahead and go to our last game, and that's LSU-Mississippi State. This was one game that was played, I believe, in week one a year ago and surprised a lot of people. LSU allowed 623 passing yards, and they just had no answer for Mike Leach's system, all of those mesh and crossing routes. And LSU's DBs were just in a spin cycle the entire game. I think one of the, the important things for LSU is Ali Gay will be back. He missed the last two games, so that's definitely going to help him. 
And this is another one, a prospect versus prospect matchup that I like a lot that I'm going to be paying attention to. Allie Gay versus Charles Cross, a player that I'm pretty high on that's been really inconsistent this year. Just needs to gain some weight like Jackson Kirkland. He just doesn't have any anchor to anchor down on right now. So you see people bull rushing him a lot. He just doesn't have any anchor to sit back on right now. So that's the big thing that's going on with Cross. But we know with Allie Gay, he's really going to test him as far as right down the middle of his body. So I'll let you go over the line of this game and maybe something that you're looking forward to watching in this one. Yeah, I think the line right now is plus two and a half from Mississippi State getting points at home. Um, to me, this game was, was is, is interesting. I th- uh, Max Johnson, who I kind of I was killing off earlier, we're talking about Stingley. Yeah, he's actually looked decent, uh, you know, playing against two very trash opponents after they lost to UCLA. He's actually put up some pretty good numbers. And um, the defense of LSU is, is is doing well. I think they actually lead the nation in sacks and tackles for loss. So they're actually getting home, which which is great to see, especially without Ali Gay, which you mentioned. Um, that being said, Mississippi State, their quarterback's looking pretty good now too. I mean, yeah. he, he Will Rogers, he, he's been kind of slinging the pillow around the, around, the, around the football. A lot of quick game stuff, a lot of misdirection, as we all know Mike Leach likes to do. Um, so I do think this is an evenly matched uh, matchup for me. Mississippi State's at home, and I said this when we were talking about UCLA and 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 LSU. I'm just out on order on, on on the field as as a coach. I I just don't think I, when he goes up against a guy like Chip and a guy like Leach, who with all the gimmicks, Leach is a damn good freaking schemer when it comes to Saturday on the field. And I think, I think Leach is going to be too much for Eddie O. So I like Mississippi state, not only on the points, I like them to win this football game. So if I was a better, I better, I'd probably sprinkle some of this money line from Mississippi state. I, I just, I just think again, it's a coaching mismatch. I really believe that to my core. I think Mike Leach is a really good football coach, X's and O's being able to scheme his opponents, exploit mismatches, exploit matchups, I like Mike Leach and his and his team here. Yeah, this game is going to be really, really interesting to me. And I think the line has changed since Stingley went out as well. So I think that's something else to keep an eye on, just how oh, prepared true, true. that LSU secondary is going to be for this one. We know Eli Ricks is a stud. Somebody we'll be talking about in 2023 plenty. But outside of that, I think they do have some question marks for sure. But yeah, man, I'm with you. I think Leach is going to, once again, he's going to look at that film from last year. And we know Bo Pelini isn't the D.C. anymore, so LSU is going to come in with a much different game plan. But I'm with you. There's just some dudes you know that are always going to come into the week prepared, and they're going to have answers to whatever the defense is doing. Chip Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Mike Leach, elite play callers like that. We know he's going to sit back and see what LSU's game plan is going to be. And then he's going to say, okay, I'm going to adjust and do this, this, and this. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to go with Mississippi State, man, getting the points, two and a half points, too. So, I'm going to go with them. Yep. Uh, I, I, again, like, I do think that we, this is going to be the last year for Coach Orgeron. Um, you think so? You know, think this is it for him? I, I, I do. I think this is it for him because I, I, I have him losing this weekend. And if he drops one more in season, I think it will be in season firing. I mean, that's kind of, I think mm-hmm. he's going to be, the, I think you might have said this on an earlier pod. Um, gosh, why is the name of John? Oh, Gene Chizik. He's the new Gene yeah. Chizik. You know, you win your you win you win yeah. your championship with a with a legendary Heisman Trophy quarterback, a uh, stud a stud uh, NFL talent everywhere on your football team. 
that, that ain't going to save you. Because ultimately, if, if you're not recruiting at the same level, if you don't have that stud quarterback transfer, you didn't even recruit the kid, for gosh sake. You didn't, you right. didn't, you didn't scout him. You know, you got lucky. Um, I, I think the writing's on the wall here for Coach O. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him relieved of his duties here in the next month or so if, if he continues to lose, which I think he's going to be losing here on Saturday. Yeah, that is a bold prediction for sure. And I meant to put this in the show notes. I forgot. Did you read Bruce Feldman's article about USC and why they have failed? Yeah, I mean, talk about <laughs> talk about an indictment to uh, to Helton, man. He's he, they're, they're calling him a nice guy, but not an authority, authoritarian figure, has no discipline. People take advantage of him. And what wasn't um, developing the talent, sheesh. I mean, like, that's, that's a hit piece. Like, if, yeah. if, if I'm reading that as an AD, I don't want this guy anywhere near my program. I mean, I think he's going to struggle getting any sort of job after, after the things that are being said about him. Um, it's, it's brutal, and again, I'm, I'm gonna miss him. I'm gonna, it's, it's, oh man, man, this is this is uh, it's it's brutal. But all I know is Feldman, my boy, I love him. He, me and me and him had some beers one day at Chip Kelly's house like three years ago. Great dude. He needs to keep Cristobal's name out out of, out of his mouth. All right, stop <laughs> saying Cristobal to USC. Damn it, Bruce. If you listen to this podcast, cut cut it, Bruce. No more. All right, he's staying in Eugene. So before I touch on that and give my opinion on it. I want to remind everybody, and I want to tell you guys about our new sponsor over at Home Field. Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. They have incredibly comfortable and officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. One of the coolest things is that Home Field studies school history and goes through the archives. They create thoughtful vintage designs that represent the school history. They're actually wrapping up their big new Saturday season two. They launch six new schools each Saturday. All summer, a new school gets released every Saturday, but they are going to continue to release and refresh schools all year long. They actually have over 100 schools officially licensed and adding more all the time. Listen, I'm trying to get some North Carolina Central gear so that I can represent my alma mater everywhere I go. Hopefully they get that up very soon. But I did have some Clemson gear on the way to represent number one overall pick and the newest quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. So I can't wait to show that off on our next show. You can get involved. You can get 15% off of your first purchase from home field by using the code TDN during checkout. Head over to the website, homefieldapparel.com. Check out all the schools they have. They add schools all the time. And when you put in the code TDN during checkout for your first purchase, you will receive 15% off over at homefieldapparel.com. Again, that's TDN during checkout. You will receive 15% off of your first purchase. So this USC piece, I was floored when I was reading through it just because Feldman went in on this. He got opinions from parents. He got opinions from previous coaches. He got opinions from what seemed like coaches still on staff. Oh, he yeah. got opinions from players, current players and former players. So, yeah, I'm with you. It seemed like a hit piece. But what he was saying made total sense as far as yeah. they need somebody that can really accept and take on, like, the character that comes with being USC's head coach. And I thought Pete Carroll did a really good job. But what I thought was interesting is that he said that who did a majority of the recruiting was Orgeron and it was somebody else. I think it was Sarkeesian he mentioned in it. I think it's a little bit different now just because you can't really relegate certain duties to certain guys because I think it's a little bit overwhelming. But 
him actually coming out and people actually admitting that it was like a country club at USC. I thought that was really fascinating, but it makes sense just because the talent that they have and then all the statistics that he was bringing up of how they just lack blue chip prospects. The players that they're signing really were like three or four stars that they developed. Keaton Slovis was somebody that they offered late and he turned out to be much better than what they thought he was going to be. And then just seeing all these different quarterbacks around the country from California leading these big programs like Alabama with Bryce Young, DJ Uwe Ungalele at Clemson. He's a he's a California kid. Matt Corral is a California kid as well. And then missing on guys like Justin Flo with somebody you mentioned, Kayvon Thibodeau. So the list goes on and on of these players that they they have just haven't been able to stay. Uh, so what, they, what USC needs to do and whoever is the next coach and – so I'm in the middle of North Carolina. I live in North Carolina. And what I'm experiencing right now is like Mac Brown taking over the state. And I'm not sure how knee deep you are in recruiting, how closely you follow it. But Carolina is killing it in recruiting. Like, I think they have like eight or nine, four or five star guys coming into this 2022 class. And they just got a defensive tackle uh, from a local high school here. That I think it's like the number three or four player in the country. And then they just got a commitment from a four star running back, too. So they just need to wrap the fence around the state. And I think that's something that USC is really struggling with right now. And you're seeing all these guys turn into stars. And just imagine a Kayvon Thibodeau at USC or a Bryce Young who was committed to USC and then switched to Alabama. Just imagine all those guys staying home. But I think Bruce, what he hit the nail on the head with is that just the development with USC. And I think Texas has a similar issue as well just because I can't think of the last highly drafted player to come out of Texas and then go on to be like an absolute stud in the NFL. I can't even think of the last person to be that. And then I think something similarly with USC is that, yes, they had Austin Jackson and some of these other guys going to be first-round selections, but they weren't those bona fide guys at USC like we have seen in years past. So, yeah, man, I think it's a recruiting issue, but also the biggest thing is just a talent development issue. I think that's the two big issues at USC and then also Texas. So two things real quick. Is Tom Maroon, does he have a job right now? Is there? Is he like an analyst in Alabama or something right now? Or where, where I have he no at? idea. So, okay, so, so neither. So that's, I mean, I'll look that up after the pod. Second, second question is this. I completely agree with you. If USC has any chance of ever getting back to relevancy and you know being the program that me and you and Chris and what we all grew up on, the only way that's going to happen is, like you said, a fence has to be built, not around California, but around LA. Like yeah. if you're an LA five star, you're not even taking official business anywhere else. Like you're going to SC. That's how it was when I was a kid. Like it was. Yep. I never forget when Oregon got the Anthony Thomas. It was literally. I mean, shoot, it was, a, it was a holiday. Like, it was insane that we got a kid from a South Central five-star. Like, that's never happened before. Um, but my question is here, do you think Matt Campbell can do that? I don't. Like, like no. see what I'm saying? It, this, this, this is the issue. Like, who who are the candidates there's only that one. can do that? There's only and one. Exactly. He's at Penn State. He's at Penn exactly. State. So I think James Franklin can be that guy. One. James Franklin can be that guy, no doubt about no doubt about it. Um, like, like, I mean, like, could Joe Brady do that? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what kind wow. of recruiter he is. The Panthers are three and zero. He's exactly. close, close to a head coaching job and in the NFL. Why would he leave no, for USC? No doubt. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, it's so tough to me 
to figure out because obviously like oh you probably want a west coast guy but who on the west coast crystal ball is really is he really going to leave oregon i I still have a hard time seeing that uh brett brennan from san Jose state to me is a really good coach but is he going to be able to have enough sway to go into these la kids houses and build a fence don't don't see that happening they need a premier Um, name they need a premier name so i mean urban meyer to me is another guy like obviously like if he goes to SC, it's a wrap. Like they'll, they'll be in a champion, national championship in three years. Like I, I believe that. Like that's it's an absolute wrap if they get Urban Meyer. Um, but I think James Franklin, out of all the most realistic names being floated around right now, to me, he's the one who he is a recruiter. Like he's a closer, and he not and he's not. Like, he recognizes like I may not be the best schematically. I may not be the best. X and O guy. And I think this is, well, this is why I love Chris Ball. And I get pissed on Chris Ball because I think there's a lot of times he has some Eddie L in him. Like, I think he's a fool sometimes in terms of game management. Like, I, I yell him, like, how the hell do you burn a timeout before the first offensive snap of the game? Like, <laughs> like, no, he did that against Auburn. I'll never forget. Yeah. So, like, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why I'm like not all the way on Chris Ball. But at the end of the day, college football is about the Jimmys and Joes. And, um, I, I think James Franklin, as you mentioned, Makes he so is that high-level recruiter to lock LA down, and that's the only way USC is going to return to uh, you know to glory. And I think Penn State has the number one recruiting class in the country right now, if I'm not mistaken. That's, that's insane. So, yeah, I mean, just imagine with even greater resources at USC. They I, and this is how Bruce started it off, and I thought it was absolutely perfect. He said. Urban Meyer walks into the living room. Nick Saban walks into the living room. And Dabo Sweeney walks into the living room. If Clay Hilton walks in after all of those guys, it's not a fair fight. It's not a fair fight at all. But if James Franklin walks into the room after those guys, at least maybe he's not on the same tier, but he's closer to that tier. You got a fighting chance. Yeah, you got a fighting chance. So, no yeah, doubt. I thought I really enjoyed that article. I love recruiting stuff. I used to be a recruiting coordinator, so I love behind-the-curtain stuff like that. I really enjoyed that article for sure. Yeah, man, Sam, I, I, um, I'm i like neck deep into, into the Oregon recruiting stuff and I'm really yeah. on the, all, the, all the packed up stuff. Obviously, having me, having worked at UCLA and having friends who've gone to different programs around the West Coast, it, it's, it's fascinating, man. There's some good um, – like the Jackson Dart kid from USC – I remember following his recruiting story. He, that guy had zero offers entering his senior season, blew up during his senior year. I think he was going to go to either UCLA or Colorado or Utah. He's from Utah, and SC came in and offered late. He looked pretty damn good. I, I'm not sure if you watched his highlights. Yeah, this kid has he, a much stronger arm than Slovis. You see that? Ja- what? Jackson Dart? Yeah. So what? he's going to get his opportunity, and he messes meniscus up. No. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. I didn't. Like I, a couple hours ago. Wow. So I must have not out, seen that. He's out indefinitely. Yeah. He's out indefinitely. Dude, Slovis must be thanking his lucky stars because. Yeah. I mean, Dante Williams has no reason to to, to play Slovis. I mean, like, right. I'm Dante. I'm playing Jackson Dart and be like, yo, like, let, let, let me try to get a, a, a head coaching job. I'm I'm developing this kid. Wow, that's too bad. Yeah. I mean, that's really too bad. Uh, hopefully, it's not a serious injury because I thought he showed some talent against Washington State coming in for injured Slovis. But another thing about USC, and we'll end on this, they're going to be behind another recruiting class this year. 
Because yeah. whoever they hire, they're not going to come in and drastically change class, anything yeah. for 2022. So really, you're not going to get your guys in there or signing your guys until 2023. So it's going to take some patience. And I think a guy, I think James Franklin is perfect. Like he's their only option, in my opinion. Like they have to throw the bag at him. It's something that Penn State cannot match. And I know that's tough for them, but like this is USC. Like we're in LA. This is the Lakers, Yankees, that type of job. Like, I mean, Franklin's the only one that makes sense for them, man. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know any candidates or anything like that. But James Franklin is the one that makes the most sense to me anyway. Yep, totally agree. But we went off on a tangent a little bit there to end the podcast. But that's the great thing about podcasting. As always, thank you guys for listening to the Read Option Podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Leave a five-star review. Brentley and I are always coming out with articles weekly. I have my second mock draft of the year coming out at halftime of the Sunday night football game. So make sure to be tuned in. Best with of that luck to you. will be released. Yeah. I'm pulling my hair out trying to <laughs> figure this is out exactly what I want to right do now. with that right now. But keep your eyes glued for that. For Jordan Reed, he's Brentley Wiseman. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Read Option Podcast. We will be back on Monday to discuss what happened in the college football action. And excuse me, we will be back on Tuesday. I'm still getting used to that schedule. We'll be back on Tuesday to discuss what happened through the college football landscape and then also what happened in week three of NFL action. As always, thank you guys for listening. We will see you on Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.